welcome to episode 25 of the Coach Fury podcast. Here's what's going on in the world of Fury. Classes are happening. Sign up for classes at Fury Industries. That's in Gowanus, New York, aka Fury's Place. You can go online and check all that stuff out. Also, you've heard me on this podcast talk about how I keep my online training limited to a certain amount of people. Well, I have a few spots opened up. So if you want to hop on the online training crew, please, now is the time to hit that up. And also, I do have spots in personal training land, especially in the Brooklyn vicinity. I'm not doing as much in Manhattan anymore. It's all Brooklyn's becoming closer and closer to home, aka in my home. So for all of those things, visit CoachFury.com. Um, And you'll also find about my courses. So here's some courses that are coming up. Uh, We just taught an awesome, me and my friend Brian, we just taught an awesome OS course at Crunch at 59th Street. I want to thank them for hosting us and everybody that attended that. Uh, It was really fun um, going through the course. So we're bringing OS Pressing Reset to my buddy Casey Lee's place in Vermont, Parisi the Edge, in April. We're also bringing Original Strength Pressing Reset to my buddy Matt Furman's place, Dow Health and Fitness, in Austin, Texas, in May. And it's not on the site yet, but it's coming up soon. My brother from another, James Newman, is hosting me for Original Strength Pressing Reset in Guilford, Connecticut, at his place, Quest Fitness. I'm also super excited to teach the RKC Level 2 is coming up in early May at Catalyst. It's going to be the second annual RKC 2 at Catalyst Sport. There's still some spots opening up for that, but people have been signing up. So... Those are the courses coming on. If you want to do classes, online training, personal training, or more information on those courses, head over to CoachFury.com. Um, I wasn't going to do this, but when I ca- record these intros, I've, I find myself using the phrase killer a lot. This is um, a killer this, a killer that. And uh, as a parent of two, and, and, and I'm going to get political for a moment right out the intro, um, I realize every time that phrase comes out of my mouth now, I feel a little bit like shit about it. Um, I'm going to, you know, obviously clearly talking about Florida right now and and just in general, um, there's some weird shit going on. And personally, whether this turns you off of the podcast or not, um, I actually believe in gun rights to a big degree. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of over the assault rifle, lack of hunting rifle, um, for fun rifle. And I'm very much so over large magazine sizes. So I'm going to leave that in. Um, some people might think like, oh, fuck, I'm done with this podcast after that. But, uh, folks like there's, there's hobbies and, um, there's having fun with stuff and then there's amendment rights, but you know, I can't just go out and get a helicopter, even though I'm mentally sound to get a helicopter. Cause the idea of flying seems fun and I can't drive a race car down the street because it's unsafe. And I don't want to hear bullshit about like drunk driving. Like we've, we've made stricter driving rules. We can't take away cars because people actually need cars to function in daily life for the most part to get from point A to point B drunk driving, not belittling it. It's fucking horrible, but we can't take away cars. So that argument doesn't work for me. It would be the equivalent of actually having like, you know, a fucking race car, like not fast and furious race car, like a real race car on the street, not, casually um so i just it's just i'm only bringing this up because every i I mentioned the word killer in the two previous versions of me trying to do this intro and uh i'm I'm gonna try my best not to use that phrase as a positive descriptor anymore um keep it moving forward um anyway moving on to the not so deep stuff although we get into some stuff so the guest This week is awesome. He's a friend of mine, and you've actually heard his name almost every episode. At the end of almost every episode, I say I thank Glenn for the artwork, the FTW for the music, and Ridge Carpenter for the Die Mighty logo. Ridge is a buddy and a former neighbor who created the Die Mighty logo. He's also an awesome trainer who we met when he was in Brooklyn. He lives in Seattle now. So I'm very excited for you guys to get to know 
Ridge. We had a great conversation. Enjoy this episode. Thanks, everyone. Keep a listening. So, Ridge, let's tell everybody how we met, because I remember <laughs> we met on a subway platform first, right? And then we, we sure also, did. Uh, uh, we we re- rekindled that subway platform friendship at the dog <laughs> run. So, but I think oh, totally. if I remember correctly, I think you came up to me first. What was that story? Oh, man. Yeah, because I was, God, I was a young, young trainer. I mean, I still am. Well, <laughs> youngish. But uh, I was pretty much just starting out. I had just moved out to uh, Brooklyn. I was in Carl Gardens, and I was up there on the extremely high platform at Smith and Nine Station. And uh, I think I just recognized the patch on your bag. It was from a, uh, it was, I think you had like a hard style kettlebell cert patch on your bag. And I had just seen it on like the internet because I hardly knew what anything was back then. And I kind of went, I was like, yeah, I was like, so you, you've done that. How was it? <laughs> Which in hindsight is a really funny question to ask, knowing who you are now. <laughs> uh, and you're like, yeah, yeah, it's, it's a good cert, you know? And like, you're like, yeah, you should check it out. And, uh, you had to catch a train. I think I, I might've been going and you were just showing up or like one of us was leaving and one was just getting there. And, uh, you're like, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm coach Fury. You know, check me out on the internet. You might've said like Google me or something. I was like, yeah, I guess there can only be probably one, one or maybe two coach Furies. <laughs> so, uh, I was kind of, I kind of shelved it for there. I was like, I should Google him and see what's going on. And then, uh, I think it was like probably a month or two later. Right. That, uh, I didn't even know that dog park was there. And actually the dog lady took me there. She kept trying to go like that way and that way. And they were like, what do you want that is over here? Every time I walk you, you're trying to drag me farther from our house. And uh, it turned out there was a dog run there. I'm like, oh, that's nuts. And one day we were like, hey, I think I know that guy. Well, quote unquote, no. And pointed you out to test. And I was like, oh yeah, Andy's wearing an RKC shirt. So that's definitely him. <laughs> and we're like, hey, Coach Fury, I think we talked earlier. And yeah, I definitely Googled you. And uh, how's it going? <laughs> yeah, that was, and, uh, and you, 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 you darted around it really nicely, Rich. It was the SFG <laughs> last two patch that I had on. Cause, um, that is true. I, I was very excited. I got to uh, assist at a lot of the early Strong First events, especially Class 2 out yeah. in Boston. Um, and I remember thinking it was really, A, a I, I've never had somebody randomly <laughs> that way um and again oh, it was about me versus it was about the patch but w- whether it's the yeah. rkc or, or or strong first um or whatever group we tend to make these big deals about them but in the outside world yeah. in population they're like they don't really mean anything so when someone outside yeah. recognizes it's like um i have this uh, there's a dc hardcore band dag nasty that's one of my favorite bands and i totally. had a tattoo on my leg and whenever you would see somebody with a dag nasty tattoo you'd be like you know what most people <laughs> what the fuck this is but we yep. do and that's cool <laughs> and then yeah it was really cool that we ran into the dog run and then you ended up doing your snatch test with me right in like, like in your yard in yeah. the yard that was it in the yard <laughs> and then um we ended up celebrating like new year's eve together at, at, yeah so, yeah we were like turned out we were like neighbors from a block over or something like literally if you like went through our block you lived on the other side of it if i remember correctly yep yep and then you and tess moved out and broke (laughs) my heart but you ended up training with i know with other friends of mine like elizabeth and 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 jeff you sent me right up yeah with elizabeth andrews and jeff sokol out here in seattle which uh yeah that was what brought me into uh elite performance center and even some of the uh work i was doing with elite sports and spine on the clinical side which was awesome 
So how's it been um, going out there since the move? Because now it's been two years. God, almost three. Three? Yeah, it's uh, it's been good. It's you know, I mean, I grew up in Seattle, was born here, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But then you know, I lived out in New York for like eleven years, and so I got back here. And <laughs> I remember going like, "Oh yeah, I'm going to move back to Seattle where it's cheap," and like you know here we go. Like, I'm so tired of the New York grind. And I got back here and it's pretty much as expensive as New York now. Is so, it really? In a way I was, oh yeah. In a way I was like, damn, but you know, it's, it's to be back and it's good to see like, you know, certain familiar places and kind of, it's the, the, the pace is a little different, which is nice. Man, and it's, I'm dying uh, to get out there. Yeah. Oh man. Well, you're, we're trying to get you out here. I think we are trying to put together a, uh, an RKC. Hopefully. Uh, I like it's, the sound uh, of that. There's so yeah. many cool, you're in this, like there's certain uh, cities and towns that, that build these hubs where it's not just like a couple yeah. of really solid coaches. Like there's a bunch of them. And Seattle's yeah. like one of those hub cities where there's yeah. just a ton of great people out there. So it was really easy to totally. shoot referrals to people. Cause like, there's like a lot of great shops <laughs> out there. And whereas some of them, oh, man. And that just, yeah. you don't have that. Yeah. And that was such a, I didn't realize, I don't think I realized entirely how important it was that you were willing to just like send my name across to some people, you know, out here. Cause that was, that was pretty much the foundation of everything that I've been actually really digging, getting into now was knowing folks like Elizabeth and Jeff and just getting into it with them. Cause you know, you, you kind of find your people in the coaching world and you hopefully through them, you find other awesome people. And it's, I don't know, that's one of the cooler things moving forward that I've seen at least in this world. No, I, I'd agree. I think that's one of the, the coolest things, especially when you get to go to, uh, when you go to certs and stuff or you get to travel around, yeah. like you, you move to a state and you meet another gym and you start to see the cultures and you start to see the people that organically find each other, right? Like we would, if we were totally in high school or into comic books in high school, you know, yeah. especially back in the day, you just sort of by necessity, it was sort of by necessity, but like, you weren't in like whatever this stuff was. So you found all the people into the things and that led you down a deeper yeah. path. Uh, and I, I find that in the certs, especially for the three groups that I teach for, well, four, if you think yeah. actually where there's like so many people have gone through all of them and there's yeah. just like like-minded philosophy. We all come at it from our different ways. Um, but it gels. And I'll, I'll say from seeing your posts, right? Like if we, and, and training, yeah. so, um, you know, that, we have very similar styles in terms of our approach. Totally. Um, and I think the people that we like look after, look, look up to and whatnot. Yeah. And I can kind of transcend a lot of the, a lot of the branding that's kind of getting to be a, a big thing in the industry right now. Right. Like everybody's got like the names and the, the initials behind their name, but I feel like you spend a few years really like throwing the initials out there and be like, I'm this and like this certification is who I am. And then, you know, after a while, it becomes about who, who the people are that you interface with everywhere. You know, I don't know. I feel like if I, yeah, well, <laughs> you I'll, get say, me. I'll say this when, 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 you know, so people think I was, uh, I was in leadership at strong first and, and you know, right. a lot of assisting. I, I love the work that I did with them, but the totally. RPG was the first leadership role. And I remember Sokol actually, you know, was one of the coolest out the gate where he, he had posted on something like uh, blood before brands and I know yeah. that I did this is, you know, when we're starting out, whatever the initials we're trying to get are, um, we work hard for them. We're proud of them. And it's like an identifier, totally. right? like wearing that patch, yeah. you know, or the, having that tattoo, you're like, this is, this is a commonality that like, you know, our yep. tribe, we're, 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 we're sounding the conch to unite our tribe. Right. Whatever that might be. Totally. And then yeah. you start to realize as, as you start to meet more people, train more people, different types of backgrounds that 
it's not so much about the initials. Like you should have pride in the work. Like when someone goes through an RTC yeah. with me and the same thing, if someone goes through an, uh, uh, an SFG, like I want them to be proud of their accomplishment, but you have to know oh, like, yeah. a bigger thing outside of training people outside of any yep. one course. And it's what can these courses add to your value as a coach to a person, but also what can you do for that person? Like, how does that heighten it? Yeah. And I do think like, totally. you know, it's interesting. I never thought of it as just being more of a, like more experienced coaches sort of phase out of that versus sure. that a shift that's happening right now. Cause I think that is shifting a little bit. I, I don't know if I yeah. see walls going up. Do you, does that, does that feel that way to you at all? Or does it still seem like a lot of people are still like trying to like really like mount their flag in the stone of like what's happening? Yeah, I feel like there's just so much, uh, I don't know. I mean, the, the art history word was, uh, I think it was transculturation, <laughs> where people kind of, uh, you know, somebody brings something from one group into another, or you just like the same person winds up in multiple different uh, sets of people, that it's hard to start to like really divide them unless, you know, some people really go for that sort of thing and they're all about in-group, out-group, but a lot of the folks I know from one group will totally be involved in another, or at least will be like, you know, open to interacting, <laughs> not yeah, super tribal about it. it, it but, it's, uh, it's you know, it's, I mean, for me, it's like, I mean, yeah. No, I didn't mean to cut you off for you. It's. Oh yeah. My phone just spazzed. Oh, fun <laughs> but, spazzed. Uh, we'll leave it in. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Cause by now, I mean, like, that's, I mean, <laughs> one cool thing about spending a couple of years in here is you, you do wind up trying a bunch of different things. I've taken got dozens of different certs now. I've got like way too many initials after my name to include them all. If I'm like, you know, applying to something. Cause it's not like, you know, if I were really identifying my personhood with each and every one of them, it would just, it starts to get unwieldy, but you do start to kind of distill from all of those, what you're about. And it becomes a little more, I don't know about coming back to, uh, you know, making your own unique kind of a mix of everything. Maybe, yeah. you know, you've got like, yeah, you've got your, your hand in a bunch of different pies and you're doing great things with all of them. But like the diamighty thing is kind of a distillation of everything that you're about, right? Yeah, I think with every course or continuing ed or, or you know, thing you go through or even just, you know, uh, successes or failures with the people that you train, you find <laughs> totally. the elements that worked instinctively and, and have proven yeah. themselves to you too. It's not just, you know, it's usually whether or not it's science proves it, you see it in person, whatever that might be. And that builds yeah. your philosophy and all of these things can add to your philosophy as opposed to, you know, yeah. wholeheartedly creating a new philosophy with everything. And I think sometimes yeah. we go to courses expecting that. Like I think, you know, right. people come to a course expecting to have their mind so blown that it changes everything. <laughs> yeah. Some people come for the initials where I can tell, you know, I don't know if they expect it to change anything other than having yeah. another set of initials or continuing, excuse right. me, education credit. Yeah. Ideally, it's, uh, learn it's, how to apply it and then see what makes sense for you. Totally. It's something that's been on my mind a lot lately because I, I've, I kind of catch myself a lot. Maybe it's like, you know, I think there's a change in people's personality if they've been, I mean, it's, I mean, got to say it straight out. If you make it past your first couple of years as a trainer, because a lot of people don't. Uh, it's kind of a rough industry to stick around in. Uh, and I say this like I've been doing it forever. I'm not that far in. But <laughs> if you make it far enough, you realize that you've been kind of, you know, you you pick up a standard pretty early and you get really binary about it. Like, this is good. This is bad. Like, you should only squat this way or whatever. And after a while, you start to, you know, you, you 
fill in the gray areas a little bit and you're like, you know, there's, there's not just like yes and no, there's a little bit of in between. And I'm, maybe I'm trying to transition more towards being a, a gray area kind of trainer these days instead of just like my way. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it's when you start to realize you can write a great program, um, yeah. but someone might eat like shit the night before sleep really badly the night before have something yeah. really emotional, bad happen, you know, the night before the morning of, and suddenly like they show up and you, you know what, like the program's yeah. not that important at the moment. Like you, we should be able to modify on the fly and, totally. and make those adjustments. So it's, 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 it's a map of an end destination, but like any map, you know, like if you hit ways, ways might, you know, you're going to hit traffic and ways is going to yeah. update it and, and do a new path. But I think one of the things that I know for me, I've gotten way more into rep ranges or, you know, working during a period of time so people can really run their sure. own race, but based on just how hard it is versus like, this is an actual percentage of your max one rep lift. And also again, my, right. For anybody that's listening to this podcast, my, my, uh, unless you're competing, my, my whole mindset of max lifts is sort of like kind of going away. Like I'm just not as interested in it. Like I used to be, um, as I've gotten older on it. And also when I'm really starting to assess risk and reward now, um, not just for older people, but also like things like even younger people should be very mindful of. So they're not banged up. We keep seeing people talk about myself included about adjusting their training philosophies or how they lift or how hard they push it when they hit their forties because of things that have led up to that in their teens and twenties and low thirties. But like, if we actually start thinking about that in our twenties, if we're not competing, have such a, a, a more vibrant, longer term, less banged up thing, right? With less limitation. Right. Yeah. yeah. I I was, yeah. (laughs) I was joking that, uh, I mean, you know, depending on where I'm training, I'm at a couple of different places here, but, uh, one of my bosses would always joke. He's like, Oh, so, you know, I had another person with like a bunch of injuries come in. So I'm sending them to you. Like (laughs) I've become (laughs) the the injury guy. Cause I found that those are the folks who have actually taught me the most about what kind of a trainer I want to be. Cause they, you know, you got to actually think about it and you got to see what is really important and what you should do for them. Cause you can't just screw around. <laughs> well, let, let's talk about that. So for a little bit, yeah. I got no, I when I first started getting building my business up as, as, as a trainer at five points, I started getting clients based on being like a shoulder guy in some way. Mostly huh. I think between like doing getups and Indian clubs. Um, right. I, I, if I go back, I think that's really what the two things, especially the Indian clubs, people would see the Indian clubs be like, okay, he, he can help shoulders. What do you think totally. it was that how you were training people that drew the idea of you being the injury guy to you? What, what do you think it was in your training style? Oh man, it's, uh, it's interesting. I think it's kind of a, I think it's, I mean, as a lot of the stuff about my training is it goes back to a Dan John bit, <laughs> but, uh, I think it's, he started with like, strength and basic joint mobility are like the first priority. And, uh, I found that you could apply that to, uh, it's actually funny. It's, I find that it's very similar applying it to athletes or to people who are kind of busted up because in either case, like they can't afford to get hurt, but you still need to look for improvement. Like you can't just have stasis. And I think a lot of folks in the general population might take that for granted because they're perfectly okay with stasis. Like they're, you know, somebody who's working 40 hours a week is not necessarily coming to a group fitness class going like, all right, I'm going to PR my like, you know, whatever the AMRAP burpees they have at the end of the day. They're more just like, Oh, this is the thing that I've got scheduled for this hour. And I come in and sweat a little bit, but you know, I, uh, I've especially had a bunch of people lately. One of them, she's 
you know, it's like she's got Hashimoto's disorder. She's got like a, uh, she's got a degenerative disc thing going on her lower back. She's got this patchwork of injuries, but we were able to make a huge amount of progress just by working with things like reflexive stability and things like just basic strength. You know, it's the same sort of thing I would do to anybody, but it just, it works well when somebody's willing to take part in the process. So I guess that's a roundabout way of staying. I guess people were just noticing that I'm willing to train somebody for strength, but still make sure that they're doing it. I don't know with integrity. <laughs> yeah. No with structural it, I, integrity. I think more yeah. and more it, it, when I hear things that people are struggling with or succeeding at, it comes down to as a coach or as a business setting their right expectations and, and yeah. that dialogue open. And I think it sounds like what you explained is like, you're just, when someone's coming to you with their issues, you're setting an expectation pretty early on that yeah. you know, a good level of uh, not only results are going to come from, but trust, right? Cause you need both. Yeah. Cause if, if they're yeah. not trust, trusting in you, they're not going to try as hard. But that's interesting. Yeah. I never really think of it as stasis. Like, I know, I think that's something that I've actually been struggling with. Like, you know, you mentioned Hashimoto. So I'm on the other end of that with Graves disease now. And right, right. Know, hormonally, I just, especially in the last like month, I feel like I've been getting my ass kicked by it. Um, meaning yeah. uh, I'll feel sluggish out of nowhere. It's like, huh. it's like a different type of sluggish. It's like my brain just wants to sleep for 10 minutes. It feels like it wants to sleep for a long time, but it'll be 10 wow. minutes. And I've been very prone huh. to cramping, like feet, lats, wonderful right. diaphragmatic, uh, like spasm Oof. cramps, which are, you know, wonderful when those right. happen. And I can see that I'm getting stronger and stuff, but I can't, yeah. like, I'm, I'm, I find this like little limitation that there's a certain point where I have to watch out, like, uh, to use Dan John's, you know, terms of like a state of arousal <laughs> that if I'm too amped up, right. tends to trigger some of the bad symptoms where, yeah. you know, finding this line where it's like, how can I still get stronger and create a stimulus versus don't, it's very weird, not, not pushing myself yeah. far into another threshold where maybe the totally. triggers are going to start to come back or I'm going to start to cramp up or the next morning the cramps are going to be worse. It's really weird. And for those that right. are listening, like I'm, 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 I'm doing stuff about it. I don't want anybody to think I'm just being, you know, uh, you know <laughs> like, Hey, I'm super freaking crampy right now. That's great. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm taking action steps from it, but it's just interesting that I think if someone came to me, if I went to somebody like you as a non-trainer, if I wasn't a trainer right. with the things that I'm growing, going with, I would imagine how you're dealing with this woman is you'd set an expectation that, okay, you, you kind of yeah. understand what I'm going through. Um, and we're going to be very careful about it, but we're also going to totally. do awesome shit together versus I think yeah. sometimes we get too standoffish and too scared. And I understand where that comes from. And I think sometimes I border towards yeah. that or, yeah we just ignore it and be like, go heavier. And I think there is that thing. Like <laughs> coaches can get almost lazy and trying to motivate people to go heavier. Um, totally. Cause, cause it is an exciting motivator. Oh yeah. That's cool. Uh, hey, let me ask you this. And, and, and if you're comfortable answering this, you, you mentioned, totally. cause this strikes home with me as well. You mentioned, you know, being a relatively new trainer and I don't think you're that new anymore. I mean, I've, it's been, I've known like, you for yeah. four years now. So how long? Yeah. I'm like, yeah, I think I'm like five-ish years in now. It's like, so it's, it's still, like, it's like yeah. half a decade. You're good. Yeah. The statistic everyone always gives though, right. Is I think it's the average career of a trainer is what, two years, maybe a little like, more. I, I think it was yeah. three when I started almost go and it's two now. I think yeah. it's, so say two to three years. Now, let me ask you this, cause this is something I'm dealing sure. with. Um, 
how, how do you, do you feel your business is perpetually on the up and up or do you find it to be more of a roller coaster? Oh, definitely. Roller. I mean, there are times where I'm like, man, did I just work like <laughs> a couple hours a day every day this week? And then there are times when I'm like, I cannot believe how little wiggle room I've got in my schedule right now. Cause it's like, you know, it rains, it pours. Right. Yeah. And, uh, it's like the, the nature of the field where like, if there is a holiday, you know, it's a holiday because everybody wants to train and you don't get any free time. <laughs> yeah. That's true. That kind of thing. I know, and I'm bringing this up because for myself right now, you know, I've gone through a big transition. Yeah. It's almost a year, like March 15th will be a year since I left MFF. So I've been pretty wow. much, you know, self-employed for a year and I've had yeah. some really good months and I'm not going to lie for everybody. Like, you know, sometimes yeah. it looks like I'm like Ric Flair, you know, <laughs> traveling around the world and stuff, but man, I've been having a hard time. <laughs> Because with every step you make as a trainer, like it's this great profession where you can pretty much show up anywhere and start training people. You know, if you're good, yeah. uh, I'm fortunate that I have a good reputation. I, I know a lot of cool people that like, you know, totally. find work now, mind you as an independent, like I've never been trying to pull people out of the gyms I've worked for. So I feel like I'm yeah. on a perpetual reinvention and I got to admit I'm feeling that hard these last three months of like, you know, now I'm finally teaching classes in my, you know, basically in my living room, trying to build up like a proper membership for the first time of my awesome versus having independent yeah. clients. But again, you know, you, you mentioned having like, you know, one to two sessions a week. There's like days right now, early mode where I have like one class with one person, you know, and then yeah. tomorrow I'm going to have like a pretty cram day, but yeah. I don't have that enough days yet. So it's just, totally. uh, I think it's good for other coaches to, to be aware of that. Like, I think we can all crush totally. ourselves to make a ton of money and then really feel beat up and overwhelmed. And I think that's part of what drives people out um, is you realize yeah. your own training, your own personal life, your own family life takes a huge, like, like not yeah. even backseat. You're like the, like the fold up seat in the back of the minivan, like as far <laughs> as it can be. Um, yeah. and whenever I take time to be more with my kids and with, and with my wife, like financially, like I get hit and I'm just trying to find that balance. Um, it, have yeah. you found for, for those of us in, in these positions, have you found any strategies that have helped you sort of balance out your business model or is it all just sort of like the yeah. random nature of people that have money <laughs> going on vacations and stuff? That's the hard thing. Is it like, you know, I'm sure you felt the same thing. There are like seasons to it and you actually, I mean, for you, it's. I mean, you came, you came from an advertising background, right? So yeah. like you went from like this industry's flowing with money into the fitness industry. That's like, Oh my gosh, like you got to kind of scratch at it a little bit to make it happen. And, uh, I mean, I went from, I finished, I've majored in illustration as you know, and uh, I finished art school. I'm like, Oh man, illustration is not your, your regular old nine to five or I'm going to need another job. And like an idiot, I'm like, well, what else do I like doing? <laughs> I'll go into training and I remember once looking at an article of like the five lowest paying jobs in the country. And it was like arts degrees and like, you know, athletic training. It's like, Oh God, that hurts. <laughs> but, uh, you know, at the same time, like starting out, God, when I was training in Brooklyn, I think I probably had more hours weekly than I do now. It's just, you know, you don't make as much when you're new. Yeah. Back then I was just kind of following where, my new clients would take me, right? Like I started with, I think you might've met John one of these days, one of my original guys from, uh, from the gym in Park Slope. And he was like, he came in, he's like, look, I want to do this, this, and this. I want to, you know, accomplish these goals. And I want to come in four days a week. Can you do that? And I'm like, yes. Before I even knew like 
turns out he wants to train at like 5 30 a.m or something but you know i was new i had to do it so i did it and it was like a great learning experience and it got me to train people at all hours it was a little rough for a while and then moving forward as it became easier to like pick my hours then i could actually say okay now it's evening or morning <laughs> yeah but i guess what i'm getting at is like a lot of trainers maybe they start out and they try to take people all day and then they're you know exhausted and they burn out but there is that kind of weird phase where you got to take you know you got this weird donut going on in the day where you take everybody in the morning and then everybody in the evening in the middle of the day, you're just walking around like, like an unemployed guy at two, at 2 PM on a Tuesday. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's really bizarre. And, and, and it's, it's just funny, this state of like perpetual hustle. Cause you know, you yeah. talk about how you're brand new. And I, I mentioned this on the last episode, I think like, I just realized just only a few weeks ago or a couple of weeks ago uh, that like, I'm not that new. Like I'm not like a veteran. No throw that out but like you know i'm coming up september will be eight years since i started as a part-time trainer so right you know it's sometimes it's like I, on, on one end I, I can't i can't even believe some of these accomplishments <laughs> that i've you know and that the fact that totally. i teach for groups and that i've you know i've done like really fucking cool stuff that like i can't yeah. believe has happened and on the other on end, international like, level anybody yeah. here want to train with me because i'm not it's at, kind like, of funny for five points again and, and and it's just yeah you know so it's like I, I i can i can certainly justify uh you know uh, a decent rate i just need more people but I also totally have worked hard enough that I'm not going to just knock my rate to get more yeah. people in and make the same amount of money. Like that's the, the thing I think we do ourselves a disservice for. It's like, you know what? Like God, I yeah. say I'm worth a hundred dollars an hour, but you know, I don't, I only have like one or two people. So I'm going to do $50 right. an hour and I'm going to have four people. Well, it, it ends up being the same amount of money and in in twice the amount of work. Um, yep. So I'm trying to really figure that stuff out. So for the rest yeah. of the training population, both new and old, like that's a real thing. You're not going crazy. Yeah. And I think if you I mean, love that this, was, yeah. if you love this stuff, you're gonna hang out in it. You're gonna you're gonna stick it through. Totally. Yeah, I learned that from uh, well from my uh, my buddy Tess. You know her. She actually trains with you too. Yep. And uh, training online last month. That's awesome. We also oh, it's awesome. The, the, the piece the same PCC and she went through an HKC. Oh yeah. Awesome. Yeah, she uh, but she was you know when we met, she was working in also in advertising actually as graphic design and web design stuff. And I was, you know, just kind of muddling around as a trainer and, you know, a bunch of other odd jobs that we can get into. But, uh, she was actually, she made the point. She's like, look, if you don't charge enough, people aren't going to think that you're good. And like kind of an extension of that, that I've figured out only very recently is if somebody's constantly trying to work you for a bargain, they're not a customer anyway. Like I feel like the people who come in constantly saying, what can you do for me? How cheap can you make this? They're not the ones that I really, they're not going to stay and I don't necessarily want them to stay as a customer. So I think I've just gotten better at like stating my stating my rate and sticking with it. Right. I mean, it's yeah. hard to do cause it, yeah. I, I got to give props. I think this is going back years ago. I think Franz Snydman, Franz Snydman made uh-huh. about trainers undervaluing their worth and it yeah. stuck with me like so thank you man um we've never met in person we were supposed to do an hkc back 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 great guy and uh i, I look forward to meeting you one day um but I, and and it really stuck with me because at that point i was so new that I, I trained somebody in their living room i'd walk like seven houses <laughs> down with three kettlebells yeah. 
and yeah. trade them for like 25, 30 bucks, right? Oh, totally. And yeah. I think we part of us would go, hey, that was, you know, cash. That's like, you know, whatever. <laughs> it's just down the block. But it's yeah. like, man, that does pile up on you. And, and I yeah. get it. So, yeah. I mean, when I was in, yeah, I was in Brooklyn. I had like a guy on Wall Street. I had a guy in like the deep, deep East Village. I had like somebody like uptown for a while. I was like, why am I? Because, you know, you can charge them for your travel time, and a lot of people will pay it, but that's even more depressing in a weird way. And it's just, after a while, I'm like, dude, I just want them all in one place, <laughs> even if it's, like, a little cheaper, because this is driving me crazy. Yeah, yeah. I like, just, with, the, with, with making my class schedule here, I only go in the city now two, part, two half days a week. So I'm there, you know, yeah. Tuesdays and Thursdays, because I realized I had set up chasing the money because things had slowed down where I was going to end up commuting almost yeah. six hours between locations one day for like you oh, know, man. three and a half, hour, you know, four hours worth of sessions. And I was like, that yeah. is crazy non-productive life. And I know we all need to make money, but you know, the right. other thing I'm going to say to this, the other important end of this conversation for other trainers thinking about their rates is this, and this is what sort of really hurt my former industry visual effects is we're perpetually lowballing to get the work to make them feel good. Yeah. And I recently, someone had reached out Two guys had been training with the trainer. Um, so semi-private trainer in home and, you know, asked me what my rate would be. And it was like literally double what this guy was. And I thought it was reasonable, you know, yeah. um, it was literally double. So, you know, you know, it's one of those things where we don't just set the expectation for ourselves when then setting it for all future outreach of trainers that are coming in, that that's acceptable. Like you should be charging more if you go inside someone's home or yeah. inner, you know, work gym. Um, you have to account for that travel time and you should value your stuff. And you know, the discount yeah. is this man, like everyone loves a bargain, you know, and like having like a sale on training is totally like respectable and fine. But do you want to be like sure. the dollar store? Or do you want to be yeah. like a really good quality artisanal yeah. trainer? I can't believe I just said artisanal. I live in Brooklyn. But totally. Yeah. Well, you know, you're in Brooklyn. Yeah. Got to go to, go for those hipster dollars, man. Yeah. You I, know. uh, one, yeah. I mean, I had a guy who's like, he's, you know, especially when people come and you're like the first person who's able to actually get them better without hurting them. I think that gives them enough buy-in. But one guy actually said, he's like, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm pain free for the first time in however long and I'm getting stronger. Like if you, you know, if you started a cult, I'd move to wherever you were and join it. <laughs> I'm like, oh, that's it, it, high it, praise. It's, it's, it's expectations yeah. and results, right? It comes back to full circle. Yeah. You show results, you set expectations yeah. and then people go like, I know like I'll teach a course, whether it's like DVRT or OS, you know, kettlebells, I don't get the, the question as much, but like, how do you, tell yeah. someone that you're going to do OS with them. And it's like, well, I really don't, I don't go like, here's bring yeah. the land of original strength. Like I, I have them try something. I take them through, yeah. like say a reset, whatever it might be. I have them try totally. that again and they're better. And then if That's they actually, want to ask yeah. what that was, like I can be like, Oh, it's this thing I teach for OS, you know, original strength or, you know, right. you don't, I'm not trying to sell them like, Hey, Ridge, <laughs> take you through pressing reset have you ever heard i'm not going to go through the whole thing with that yeah, it's my patented four-part system but <laughs> as far as like being the the xyz guy actually two things that i use i cannot i i will actually this is absolutely true i use 
the DVRT restoration exercises and the original strength resets with everybody that I deal with ever. That's it's like if I'm the XYZ guy, I'm oddly enough, I'm actually the that guy. I'm the reflexive stability guy. Yeah. Because <laughs> that's the stuff that, that's what makes that difference with people like, right? You pre-test, you post-test. Like I have people who come to me like, I had somebody come, he's like, I do not want to ever deal with kettlebells. I'm like, okay. Like, because for a while I was the kettlebell guy, but if you don't want to do it, man, like, that's fine. <laughs> do everything else. Yeah. So, it, yeah. That restoration course, uh, uh, especially if you come in with an OS background, like that restoration oh, course, either way, though, is really, I, I use so much of that on day to day class programming now and my own warm ups and stuff. Like, there's just yep. so, there's good stuff on there. And then certainly having yeah. that OS background going in, it really, it does bridge a beautiful gap between the developmental sequence and then, you know, what DVRT is and, and how wide, yeah. you know, uh, of a scope that it can offer. And then also right in the kettlebell yeah. land or barbell land. It's, it's such yep. an awesome course. Uh, yeah. It's funny. I got to get even more of those exercises on my online library now that I'm thinking about it. And you're it. absolutely right. You, you don't have to tell them, like, we're going to do a restoration exercise for your reflexive stability. You're just like, you know, put the bag here, pull on it, like, put your leg there and, uh, you know, make sure not to, like, screw it up or whatever. But it's it's not like you need to, like, write them a thesis on it if you're going to have somebody do it. It's super I, true. I the simplicity. Yeah. Yeah. And they shouldn't need to. Like, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, just get them to move well. You don't have to, like, but yeah. Again, I love it when people get nerdy and they and they want to know. Like that's awesome. Sure. But on the flip side, like if they don't want to, do they yeah. really need it as long as they're doing the work safely? You know, and they're listening right. and complying. You know, and I love it when they ask like the appropriate yeah. questions. But yeah. uh, hey, let's let's switch gears for a moment because sure. you mentioned your illustrator background, and uh, for those yeah. that don't know, Ridge is the man. Well, actually, everyone should know this because it's the end of every podcast. I thank you for him. But Rich is the guy who created the Die Mighty logo, everyone. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, from hanging out with Ridge, I knew he had this background. And, you know, the Die Mighty mission statement, manifesto, whatever it is, had really started to, to culminate. Um, it's something that was brewing in my head. I used a slightly different verbiage at a course that I taught. I created in, in, in – at a, at for original strength and DVRT and it stuck throughout that original strength weekend. And then I came back and I tweaked it up and I was like, Hey Ridge, what do you think of any ideas on this? And <laughs> I'm going to tell you, so that, here's the elevator pitch for anybody that's like, wants to work with an illustrator like Ridge. Yeah. I, I wasn't <laughs> very clear at all, but I, I had r- examples. I was like, I want something that if I were in high school, I could draw on my loose leaf notebook or get yep. a very simple tattoo of. And I referenced, what was it? Uh, Dead Kennedy's logo, Red Hot Chili Peppers logo, and Fishbone logo. And right. I mentioned something about a coffin and a sword, I think. Or a ball and a yeah. sword, too. Because I was thinking of, um, what, right? Wasn't there a sure. ball and a sword? Because in Lone Wolf and Cub, there's this famous scene where his, his baby right. son's got to choose either a ball or a, son, uh, choose, or a yeah. sword. And uh, about choosing the sword. And... Written in like no time came back with three pencil sketches and one of them <laughs> went in like as is like a little bit of cleanup <laughs> I mighty logo so oh man tell me that side of it where you also create t-shirts like where do you find your your, your skill as an illustrator fits in with your the trainer side of your life oh man it's I mean, it's good and bad for both, and I'm a pretty uh, literal-minded kind of guy. It's like, uh, I don't know, I guess the quality a lot of people call anal retentive, where, like, you know, 
if you think it, you want to see it exactly how you think it. So it's good for like, you know, life drawing and portraiture and stuff. But it's also the side of me with training that was making me go like, there's a right way and a wrong way. And like, I've found out the right way and what's wrong with all these other people. (laughs) (laughs) So actually kind of the hardest part for me often is that first stage where it's like, here's what we want to accomplish. Here are the ideas. Now let's like kind of free associate and figure out a couple different ways to show it. Right. So it's like, I think I had like five different things that had to do with coffin shapes and you're like, ah, maybe not these. And maybe one of them might've been the sword. You had, but, uh, you had a couple yeah. of cool ones though. You had a, a coffin with like a tree in it. Um, yeah. That was very like Gondor, you know, like I totally did totally. that one. And then you had a, a couple that had lightning uh but yeah you yeah killed the sword and i didn't even think about how well like the king arthur vibe you know would would be yeah. like the empowering aspect of that of the sword and the stone of like you have to you know to die yeah. you have to make an active decision to do it as opposed to just being there like i dude it still yeah, blows totally. my mind like i'm wearing the shirt right now and i have like you know we've gone through three different die mighty shirts we've got hoodies and i'm still like i got like the coolest fucking logo i could ever imagine Man. i were in a i haven't uh yeah, I haven't even, I was, I was just going to say, like, I've only got one tattoo so far, but I think that might have to be number two since, you know, you've already cracked it open. Yeah, I'm going to try it myself. I, uh, I haven't even posted a picture of it yet, but I was, I was walking around wearing the Diamighty hoodie and my mom's like, you know what? I need one of those. I'm like, what? And my mom, she's like, she's going to be, what, 69 this year? <laughs> mom. But, uh, you know, I've got her doing like bells and stuff and, uh, you know same sort of exercises I would have a client do and it's, you know, doing some good for her. But she was like, yeah, next time those are getting printed, just get, get all the one for me. Cause Diamite is what I'm about. And so she like walks around the house, walks down the street in it, works oh, out in it. Like so cool. She is so much more Diamite than I am. Like, that's amazing. <laughs> She's yeah. what it's all about. <laughs> but yeah. It's uh Oh, go for it, man. No, you just, I was just saying, you, you, you somehow, you struck a symbol. I and mean, it sounds like I'm just kissing your ass in our own logo. <laughs> it, it's Please just, keep going. You, you, <laughs> made, you made this very clean image that I think says a lot. Like, it just, it's it just how, however I was verbalizing my, my like throwing stuff right. at a wall to however, how clear you made it was awesome. Well, your concept was, yeah, it was totally clear. Actually, it was the, uh, oh man, talk about like, recognizing each other by uh by the the regalia one of my proudest moments was actually last year i finally actually got to meet dan john in person which to me is like oh you know practically don't know what to say and i was wearing a die mighty shirt and he kind of points i was like oh nice where'd you get that i was like well (laughs) let me tell you so it's kind of kind of a nice little boost yeah because i i I heard this later but what is um Dan's got his own version of the thing. Uh, I think it's live long, drop dead is a phrase. Yeah. Used, yeah, yeah. Which, which again is so good. I actually just, um, I love that. I, I stopped by, he was doing an RKC in the city. I stopped by, I said, hi. Awesome. Um, and oh, great. I think what we're finding is whether it's, whether it's Dan or Hank in like, we're all starting yeah. to realize that we have to start thinking more long-term for most of the pop. Yeah. And it's not just beast mode. No, <laughs> you know, God, <laughs> And, and and letting like the you know uh, the general population I think in particular, but also a lot of trainers know that I think trainers yeah. we sometimes give ourselves too much credit that we're not out there crushing ourselves, um, yeah. and and that we need to be in awareness of it. But I think it does sometimes offer a false impression of how yeah. hard or how complex or how difficult something needs to be. Right. Um, 
And that's For that's the thing that's always showing up. Yeah. When people do have like most of the logos you see are about that, like whether they mean to be or not, you know, it's yeah. like crush your workout, like bend this barbell, like the logos are all this really intense imagery. And it, it's, I think it freaks people out. Like I was actually, I was talking to Tess about this the other day and she's got her own awesome uh, uh, kind of training studio going on. She says a lot of the people that come to her, they're like, she's like, why, why here? You know, why are you with me? And they're like, you know, you're not, you're not scary. <laughs> like some people just want it. They want to be better, but they don't want to like, you know, join a fight club. So it's, it's I think you're, yeah, your whole deal kind of encapsulates that really well. Like it is, you know, it's about going out and doing your best, but it's not about, I don't know, being a secret, you know, Soviet like elite soldier when you're not at your day job. <laughs> well, it comes out like defining what's your best. Is it about to being your best within the gym or is it about being the best in your life with your family, whatever yeah. activities you're doing, you know, like whatever you want to do. And I think that gets lost, you know, where yeah. it comes about like, I'm going to go crush the gym and then I yeah. might be wiped out, whatever, doing something else versus like we should be fueling those other activities as opposed to being the sole activity. And I think yeah. I know I got lost in that, you know, uh, the more especially yeah. like a couple of years where I was doing a lot more barbell lifting and really trying to chase some numbers. And I know like that became, yeah. you know, I wasn't doing CrossFit, but it became my idea of a sport, even though I wasn't competing, I was competing with myself. Yeah. I know like, you know, skateboarding went away during that time. I did much less Muay Thai during that time. And I'm like, shit, you know, like it was a worthwhile lesson now, but I I probably would have, you know, I'd be a less horrible skateboarder right now. (laughs) Yeah. Cause I guess what I'm always shooting for, and even in like, you know, you mentioned the stuff, like I've got a couple of t-shirts out there. I think it's just a spreadshirt shop, but I, I think what I'm always trying to do with it is just make it more about having a little bit of fun. Right. I'm like, most of the shirts that I've got out started as just like a, a thing that I would draw on the whiteboard along with the workout for the class I was teaching. And people started going like, you know, they'd see, I think it was like Jeff, like Sokol would post a couple of pictures every now and then. he's like, Oh, you know, came into this like drawing on the board. Good job, Ridge. And people are like, dude, make that a shirt, please. <laughs> and I got like 50 Facebook friends just off of him mentioning it. I'm like, okay, okay. <laughs> but yeah, those are all just about like, you know, it's not, you can't take it too seriously. It's none of it. It's not like, you know, I know very few people who are paid to competitively get stronger. I'll put it that way. But, uh, you know, like you gotta, it's, it's gotta be fun and it's gotta be about improving people. I learned a heck of a lot about what strong actually means from the people that I deal with who are kind of busted up, you know, I had yeah. that, that same woman I was talking about earlier, she blew my mind. She's like, look, I'm so happy that now I can pick up my laundry basket instead of having to slide it on the floor. I'm like, are you kidding? Like that's so much more important than like any number of like, Oh, you know, this guy's like eating chalk and throwing weights around. Like, you know, he feels cool and that's great, but like there's more important stuff going on. Right. Yeah. I completely agree. That's awesome. I mean, and that is, you know, we, we lose sight when we think about getting stronger and and gaining muscle mass or burning calories or whatnot, that like the ability to pick up your laundry, right. Or, Oh God step in and out of a car or up a set of yeah. stairs, uh, you know, yeah. how vital those skills are and how easily we can lose them. Like that's, you know, yeah. it, it's weird as, so I'm 45 now, which isn't crazy old by any means, but it's like fifties in my, yeah. you know, fifties not far off and I'm not like afraid of it or anything, but you know, right. 15 years from there is like, there's this weird thing when you run into people around 65, where if they're yeah. not chasing their fitness, like, there's two very def- 
you know, 45, there's some people that are in more shape than another. Some people really out of shape. But, like, I've found yeah. that, like, you know, when you start to hit your 60s, that divide gets really huge versus people oh, that gosh, yeah. go out and go traveling and go vacationing and skiing and swimming or yeah. start to really become a mobile and stop doing yeah. things. And yeah. you know, I can see that down the line now. And I think we, we lose sight of how we're not meant to just fall apart like that, but we have yeah. proactive yeah. in, in, in being active to, so to, to stay that off. Yeah. Yeah. Those guys that keep it rolling. Cause then you, on the other side, like there are the guys who just keep it up and somehow they keep getting stronger and you got some guy who like looks like Santa Claus, but he's still able to, you know, press half body weight and do all this other crazy stuff. And it's almost like, you know, they're stronger then than they were even when they were younger, just because they never stopped. Do you remember? I mean, sorry, you just reminded me of on Facebook, at least on my algorithm, this is going <laughs> back like three years ago, they kept showing that one dude with the old guy with the white long beard who was like shredded jack. And he was like selling yeah. some like human growth growth hormone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Remember that guy? <laughs> yes. Yeah, it was uh uh, was it Dr. Life or whatever? I don't, I don't even know what his name was. But there, yeah, there was some like, yeah, it's like, oh, you know, men over 50, like, come to us. And we'll like, you know, it was basically <laughs> just, it all breaks down to like, we'll get you some testosterone. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm not going to lie with all this hormone stuff I'm going through. One day when they're like, hey, oh, man. you're going to need some exactly. supplemental tests. I'm going to be like, you be like, let's see where this goes. Here we go. <laughs> right? <laughs> right. Um, well, that was a funny, yeah, it was super instructive working in, uh, in Brooklyn, actually. That was one very eye-opening experience was at that gym in Brooklyn. There were so many dudes there who were like somehow these like union working class guys who must have spent half their paychecks on steroids because there were like a dozen guys in there who were totally straightforward about what they were using. And they would still be like, man, Ridge, you're stronger than you look. I'm like, yeah, it's like if you just lift some weights and like have a little fun <laughs> and don't make this about like, you know, trying to bust yourself up just for a look, you know, get some work done. I don't know how people <laughs> afford that. Like, I don't know how it's nuts. You, you could stay on top of that. Now, mind you, if someone, God. Wants, to, someone wants to sponsor me, <laughs> I'm kidding. right. Listeners. I'm, <laughs> I'm half kidding. Before the emails start flooding in, everybody's <laughs> already starting to type it out. I know a guy for a deal. <laughs> A year from now, this I look very, uh, I sound very yeah. on this podcast, but <laughs> I, I don't know how people kind of really can support that as a consistent thing. But it, but it is interesting because I've been to the gym that yeah. you're talking about, and I've seen people as 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 a as a member. Yeah, and you know, uh, on one end of this functional fitness thing that we're probably a part of the ride. Yeah, yeah. You know, we tend not to be the biggest dudes, but yeah. we move really well. Uh, yeah. On the flip side of that, you'll see, and, and, and we do, you know, the, everything we all talk about, the compound lifts, we move well, core stability, blah, 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 yeah. blah, right? And then you see the guys that have spent three hours on their legs only in one day. And, <laughs> yeah. you know, however they're getting through it, they, they, in some ways, look just as good, if not way better to the public eye yeah. um, in terms mm-hmm. of how jacked they are. Because they're, you know, yeah. don't mind you, long term, how banged up it was. But I found that really rewarding going back to seeing that. Um, as, as an eye opener, because I can, we, we can get very uh, high and mighty looking down on people that lift like that. Yep. We know yep. it's not ideal. We know the pitfalls of it, but we're also like, they have their version of solid results. It's kind of what yeah, they're like, looking for. And there are plenty of, like, I'm like, 
I want my arms to be bigger, man. I, I got, I do a little bit of that every now and then too. <laughs> well, I, I <laughs> got to make say, it, make it work. Yeah, yeah. I wanted to say, so like one of the things that I love when you post your workout stuff is, um, Ridge is a very good example of sticking with, uh, I mean, you do other stuff clearly you've mentioned it, but like with sure. kettlebell training where, you are very strong. You work, you know, in, in a kettlebell cert, whatever group, we're generally working with 23 right. bells if, if you're at, uh, you know, Ridge's size. And Ridge is doing right. complexes with double 32s. And that is right. strong, man. Um, 32Ks, folks, that's like a, a, around 70 pounds each kettlebell, right? So right. imagine 140 pounds swinging, cleaning, pressing. Um, do you think you're still enjoying the what the hell effect or do you think because i think on the higher end kettlebell sometimes that wall does hit or right. do you think it's just a patience game still oh man it's for me it was a huge patience game because i went i mean when i did level one it's over three years ago now i remember thinking afterward like dude my shoulders are made of glass like all this overhead pressing i'm not ready because like for years, you know, like everybody else, I started with, you know, nonsense workouts from bodybuilding magazines and, uh, you know, military pressing with dumbbells from a bodybuilding magazine is not nearly the same as pressing a kettlebell from below your collarbone strict every single time. Yeah. It's just, oh, and it took me, it took me a couple of years to even be comfortable doing multiple solid work sets with that test size bell with a 24. And then like, I had, you know, like they say, you got to regress to progress, right? And it drove me crazy because I felt like I, you know, I had to shrink for a little bit <laughs> just to make it work. Because even like, you know, it's, yeah, it's, it's surprising where you can be fragile and it kind of finds those spots really quickly. That might be a benefit of uh, functional training in general. It's just that you find your gaps sooner, right? Like, you know, I think you still got really the same good, gaps. That's a really good yeah. way to put it is, is, is they make them more apparent. Yeah, because, you know, I could have gone on bodybuilding for, like, the rest of my life, and then the gaps would have all leapt out at me when I turned 40, and it would have been the worst thing in the world. But, you know, these guys, I find it every now and then. I'm like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm on the tall side, so I should watch out for my low back, especially on all the hinge moves, and it makes me super strict. And then I go after a short person, like, why are you hinging so early? You're going to hurt yourself on the swing, and they're like, what are you talking about? But, you know, <laughs> it helps to have perspective. Yeah. And then, yeah, it's... As far as I'm concerned, yeah, it's there's a bit of a waiting game. I'm not by any stretch a natural. I don't think I'm a naturally athletic person. I was that like, you know, kind of the typical last kid picked on the team when I was a kid. You know, majored in illustration. <laughs> yeah, right. And it was uh, it took forever. Like all my physical assets for a while just boiled down to like, you know, I was pretty bendy. I did a little bit of martial arts when I was younger, so you know, my reflexive stability was on point. But beyond that, like strength took a long time. I, I so. feel like with kettlebells, people, and I don't know if it's all because we a we've just gotten such bigger bells on the you know on the high end above the 160 oh, man. range, but also yeah. we have a lot of those in between sizes now where there's this rush. Yeah. In, instead of like really, really, really owning a, a yeah. weight of of trying to like perpetually edge up as opposed to like ownership. So that's yeah. what I like when I see your training. I know I know when you're doing those 32s, you're putting your work in. Yeah, like the only reason I even have 36s too is like, you know, I was like, oh, I was talking to you once. I was like, oh, I'm trying to like get my press up. You know, I can do this many with a 32. They feel pretty light now, but, you know, the 40s just not happening. I can stack these bells. And you're like, look, stop stacking them. You're going to have to actually buy 36s. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this ain't going to go anywhere. You got to actually put some reps in under the 36s. So it's, you know, 
it's kind of a nice thing about the bells is there's those big jumps and you can't just screw around. Like I think again, a Dan John thing where like, you know, if you go into the gym and one day you've got like a 30 pound dumbbell and the next day it's the 32 and a half pound dumbbell and you kind of, you lift it slightly less cleanly and you're like, Oh, but that's improvement. You know, or, you know, you go in and slap a couple of two and a half pound plates on your deadlift and you PR it again. Like, it's not the same. <laughs> yeah, when you go up from a 32 to a 36, like you definitely feel that you feel that nine pound. Oh difference. man, it's totally gnarly. Um, hey, so we're actually we've been going for a long time, but I wanted to ask you about one more thing, and we're gonna have to get you sure. on again because I had like Dungeons and Dragons questions and stuff. Oh, I, I, Ridge, Ridge is a <laughs> playing guy, but one of the things that uh, I didn't realize until we were we were getting ready to hop on this about Ridge is. Ridge has done time as a model and a, a <laughs> that's come up on this podcast and not as a fitness model, like as a model model um, is, yep. is, is how uh, through social media, a lot of fitness people are selling themselves um, as, as almost a oh, model yeah. who happens to sell a fitness product versus a fitness trainer that happens to look good, you know, in the photos or, or providing content, totally. something if anybody listen to Artemis in particular, but it's been a theme on several epi- uh, um, episodes of the show. So what, what do you think that's what do you think you could give as advice trying to think the best way to make this useful for everybody is as someone that was on both sides of the spectrum who provides content um as a fitness trainer but also actually was a paid model um what do you think we can do better in terms of trying to separate ourselves from that sort of modely sexualized version right. that seems to sell in the land of Insta. Um, what, what do you think we could do better about that versus, you know, the perspective of like when you are a model, like, look, I mean, yeah. it, it kind of that's what it's all about. Like, it's like you are selling right. fashion yeah. via sex in a lot of ways, right? It gets a different yeah. open thing. Um, right. How can we be better, um, do you think? Man, yeah, I was just I was just thinking about it because that's that's one thing that struck me pretty quickly in the whole modeling thing. Like it was, I only got into it because so many people were telling me to. Like I've never been good at thinking of myself that way. Like oh, I should I should I'm, I'd be so good at this, you know, that sort of thing. It was more. I think it's a thing that happens to everybody in their early twenties, where everybody's saying you should do this, you should do that, and whatever it is, you just do it because it's you know like people are telling me to. It must be the right thing. But I figured out real fast that no matter how on top of it you are, especially in things like appearance, like there's always a, there's always somebody who looks better and B there's always going to be somebody who disagrees with you and says, no, you you don't have anything going on. And so I think that helped me kind of stop chasing kind of immaterial goals like that, where the goalpost just has a way of moving. Mm-hmm. And uh, as far as, like the fitness industry goes, it's, it's huge. It's an issue. I think the more people know about what it takes to get to that state that they're seeing on these like marketing materials, the better. Cause I don't think people realize how much work goes in behind the scenes. Cause you know, it's like so-and-so has ripped abs and yes, it's po- some of the people are just naturally like that. Uh, or just like, you know, have always been that way or whatever, but other people are working really hard. I remember overhearing another guy at a casting for some fashion shoot. He was advising a couple of younger models, which is always kind of funny on uh, how to cut for a shoot and like get your abs out there. And he was like, okay, so you got to like <laughs> go to the drugstore and get a diuretic, uh, a pill 
that's going to make you like shed water out of your system really quickly. You guys can figure out how that happens. And uh, you take it for a day and you drink a ton of water. And then the next day you take it, but you don't drink any water. And then the day of the shoot, you're going to be so shredded. And like, I'm listening, like, I wonder what that's going to do to their kidneys, especially when you do that every single shoot you have. And I also wonder how much this would change the marketing landscape if more people knew how much work had to go into this sort of thing. I mean, I feel like there's more, there's more awareness now, but I think it would still help if we had more. Cause every now and then, you know, you see the thing, like if you want your body fat to be this percent, this is what you're going to have to do. You know, you're going to have to give up social engagement where there's food. You're going to have to stop drinking entirely. You're going to have to do everything you can to sleep as much as you can and keep your stress level low. And I'm not sure if people know that because the message that they're getting, right. is just like, buy my thing and then you'll look like this. <laughs> I feel like, you know, it's easy to say that more knowledge is key, even though like we've never had more access to knowledge and we're still having trouble with this, but yeah, I think understanding. Point, maybe. Ridge. I think that's a really great point. I think, you know, especially when you look at, we have a different type of diesel dude, like in Hollywood too yeah. right now where I don't yeah. think, People aren't counting, like, I think more people are probably still using steroids than people want to mention. Oh, yeah. And and it becomes this false thing where it's like, clearly you have like, you know, like Stallone and Schwarzenegger on the other end. But man, you know, there's a whole lot of people that don't look quite as jacked as that, that are supplementing. And it's just pretty, pretty clear. And I'm not going to out them on the the show or anything, because I I don't, you know, I don't know for sure. But like, we, we know. Yeah. It's like a certain Well, somebody asked, uh. Somebody asked one of them in an interview, and I, I was so glad he was so straightforward. And they were like, you know, for your role as so-and-so, did you take performance-enhancing drugs? And he actually said, like, no, I took fucking Smarties. What do you think? <laughs> like, yes, of course. Because it's, you know, if you know anything about it at all, it's like a biological impossibility that these guys are going from shooting, like, you know, some regular Joe Schmo movie, and then a couple months later, they put on, like, 40 pounds and they throw on a cape and all of a sudden they've just got muscles everywhere. Like some people work their whole lives for that. I think it's the same thing. There's also this impression that you can work out three times a day, eat your chicken and broccoli, still have a social life. Like when you see these actors, you know, out of premiere, like, Oh look, they're just casually drinking. Like they do in the romantic app, you know, romantic movies, like, you know, having this guy's just like, Nope, that shit ain't happening. (laughs) And you got to remember like, if somebody's whole full-time job is to look like that, it's just like when people are hurting in training, I always tell them like, are you paid to train? Then why are you letting it hurt you? That kind of thing. Or like, if you're paid to look good, yes, suffer all you want to do it. But like, it's not your job. Like, (laughs) and you're going through all this, like, you know, you're hurting yourself. You're doing all this, you're eating foods you hate. And like, you know, saying no to hanging out with people that you care about just because you know that there's going to be food around that's going to mess you up or like you're not going to get that nine hours of sleep that you really need to stay so, so lean. It's like, I, I wonder where the priorities have gotten with people, it's, you know, for all for something that they're they're just kind of chasing because they think they should, right? Yeah, but plus uh, the, 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 we all have such access now to like photo touching and retouching things too. Yeah. So like where there's that whole other layer and I know from visual effects, like I have like, you know, literally worked on huh. millions and millions of dollars worth of commercials where like we, you know, retouched everything, you know, just over the Oof. year. And it, and it's kind of crazy, but it's also, I, I do want to point out, you know, cause people always like to say like, well, if I was getting paid to work out, it would be easy. And I actually think for those, <laughs> those men and women, I think it's actually incredibly hard to be that disciplined. 
Like, oh man, yeah. Whether or not they're supplementing, I don't want to take anything away from their things. I think you know it'd be great if everybody were open yeah. on all this stuff. I don't want to take away their hard sure. work anybody in the listeners i don't want to think that's where it's coming from i think that's actually like really hard when you just want to eat fucking yeah. nuts but you're gonna to have to be you know basically well, i think uh, i think chris hemsworth's trainer said when he was getting ready for thor he was actually eating he's eating like 30 something times a day <laughs> like you know not a ton at a time but you know you gotta eat all the time it's gotta be exactly the right stuff and uh you know that just sucks after a while <laughs> that's yeah. not fun you know like i I've, I've, I haven't really dove too far into like the pre prep meal kind of thing because I tried it for a bit. I was like, I hate this. Like, <laughs> I'd just as soon be slightly less lean than I want to be and be on point 80% of the time with what I'm eating and like have a life. Because, yeah, my clients all come to me and that's another, again, sorry, Dan John again. But he was talking last time about uh, there's this attitude people get into where they, they hear a word and they think it only has one meaning. Whereas there are a lot of words with many, many shades of meaning that we know because we work in the industry, but these people coming to us don't know. So they come in and we talk about uh, strength training and uh, nutrition and people here like death march workouts and rabbit food. And you have to snap them out of that so that they know there's something else to it. And that it's not just going straight to 11 on the dial with both, you know, both of those uh, yeah. processes. Because, you know, like this, the training I do with people that works is not really all that intense. <laughs> like, we get some good lifting done, but like, you know, it's not like, it's, you know, it's anybody who's gone through like any of the certs these days with a physical testing component knows that's much harder than anything that I'm going to have my people do. Like, nobody's taking the snatch test. Nobody's doing any really crazy workouts. It's just, you know, it's enough to get it done and then, little enough that it's not going to ruin their life. Yeah. And food wise, I'm like, look, man, you, some part of you knows what you should be doing food wise. And it's not that you should be torturing yourself. <laughs> right. It's, it's, it's true. Some way of, yeah. It's finding like a way to fitness, you know, fi- fit better phrasing to make fitness a part of your life while also allowing yourself to have a life. Right. Yeah. Well, you know, and, yeah. and, and it's also being accountable to the excuses we can make on, on either end of that for, you know, going yeah. in one direction or not uh, in the other. Um, yeah, man, totally. I really like, I really like what you brought up on that. I think that's cool for people to hear. Cause I, I don't think, uh, you know, the reality, the perception versus the reality is really skewed on that. Um, totally. dude, we've been talking for a while. So we're going to oh, wrap yikes. this up. I have to bring you back on. So uh, first and foremost, yeah, man. so much for coming on and a, being a friend. And I love that we get to oh, man. Um, still keep in touch. And the Die Mighty logo, best ever, tattooed on my hand. Um, <laughs> and, and you're tattooed in my heart forever, Ridge. For the listeners. Oh, likewise, man. <laughs> where, can they, where can they find you if they want to find out more about you or hit you up for training in Seattle? What's the best way for them to look you up? Awesome. So, uh, I mean, the two web presences, which uh, if they look a little squirrely, it's because I just switched web hosts finally and have been redesigning my sites, but they are up as of like today. Thank goodness. Uh, Training, you can find me at ridgestrength.com. Pretty simple. Just, uh, you know, Ridge, I always tell people it's like fridge with no F. It's pretty easy to figure out. Ridgestrength.com and ridgecarpenterart.com. If you're looking at uh, visual arts, illustration, anything like that, those will find me. 
And, uh, you know, it's the good thing about having a weird name is it's pretty easy to look you up social media wise. So if you're looking for me on the old Insta or Facebook, I'm, I'm around fairly often and there's only so many rich carpenters in the world. You know? More than you would think. Really? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, one of my, I got a cousin who goes by Ridge, uh, cause Ridgeway is her middle name. Okay. Uh, hopefully I'm not outing her, but she works in magazines so her name's everywhere anyway and then uh i actually got invited to a facebook group called my name is ridge and had my mind blown because there are like 50 ridges in the group including at least one that has my same first and last name that i don't know anything about <laughs> you're the only uh, ridge so I've that was kind of nuts thank goodness let's try to keep it that way i gotta i gotta keep my brand alive but uh i will not yeah, friend another ridge on social media <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, you know, I do I do a fair amount of uh, shenanigans on the old Instagram. Sometimes it's just pictures of my D and D group. Uh, sometimes it's something stupid about what I'm eating that day. But usually it's something fun with kettlebells. So nice. Try and find me on there if you guys want to. All right. Well, you mentioned it, so I got to ask real quick. Uh, so I think oh, yeah. thanks to Stranger Things, I need to officially properly learn how to Dungeons <laughs> and Dragons. What edition should I start with? I mean, I think the latest one is fifth edition, and I found it to be extremely uh, user friendly. I'm I'm really pissed off, frankly, that I didn't start this earlier because I love it. My uh, my brothers and I and our cousin have a campaign going. We got another one that we just started with some other friends, and uh, you know, it's really just a matter of finding time to get the group together. But it is a total blast, and uh, <laughs> it's we're all missing like that kind of free association, kind of ideative playtime so the more of that you can do the better it's like os for your for your brain brain not no your body it's brain. so cool I, I, <laughs> I, never, I never properly learned how to play as a kid i played a little bit with my, my cousins and some friends but never properly learned how to play and now my kids right? are about it and they're really into like you know oh. percy jackson and all that stuff and and through stranger Things totally Dungeons and dragons so all right i'm gonna go pick up fifth edition i think um, nobody out there tell my kids, but I, I, I smell holiday gifts coming down. The oh, road. dude. Yeah. You guys are gonna have so much fun. It's just, and it's social too. It's, it's not, I feel like a lot of, uh, entertainment these days is very asocial. Not that sounded super judgy, but you know, like, you <laughs> gotta get right. together and get together and interact a little bit. So totally, man. And thank Plain you so much for having me on. This is amazing. Dude, thank you so much for coming on. Hey, Ridge, you get to say it. Can you tell the listeners to die mighty? Oh, fuck. Yeah. Oh, you guys. Stay awesome. Die mighty. Thanks so much for listening. And, uh, man, thank you for getting me into all this, dude. Thanks for the, everything from the subway platform onward. Oh, dude. Thank you so much, Ridge. Um, Would not have gone without you. Folks, if you uh, randomly want to go say hi to somebody you, you see on the street or on the subway, uh, <laughs> be respectful and be polite about it. But, like, you never know like that that might be. Um, and I'm very grateful for Ridge being bold enough to, like, say, hey, because you recognize the Strong First logo on my backpack. Uh, I think that's right? cool. And uh, I'm super stoked on that. And, you know, it, again, it's, it's you never know what doors are going to be open, but you have to, like, step through them um yeah they're not super creepy uh headway so dude thank you for making that step and just being a friend uh you know i i miss having you around here but we'll find a way to get my ass out there and yeah or am i not there yeah please and everybody thank you so much for listening this is episode 25 so 25 of these plus the films of fury episode for stranger things and i promise you we're gonna have more films of fury episodes as well um just thank you all for listening. It's amazing. So if you want to support this podcast, head on over to patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash 
Coach Fury podcast, and you can become a patron. Like literally, if you donate a buck a month or a buck an episode, it will go a long way to help me get some additional gear, microphones, support the show, um, spend some time with the kids. It'll help me from having to maybe make another train ride into the city. I don't know. But first and foremost, I want some microphones and, and, and a mixer so I can travel with this thing when I go to teach. Um, this podcast has become a really important part of my life that I love dearly. Um, and thank you to uh, James... Um, Victor and fucking Julian for being the Patreon so far. Man, that took me a while. It's been a long day. Um, Julian was the first, the alpha Patreon. Um, but please, pa Patreon. So donate there. Also, if you're interested in training with me, whether it's online, in person, taking classes, or taking a course, all my shit is on coachfury.com. There's a lot happening. Hopefully, I'll end up in Seattle soon. Um, but Hook me up, up over there. Let's let's do something together. And again, I, I, it's cool getting to say because I'm seeing his face right now through the conference. But Rich, thank <laughs> you for the Mighty logo in person, sort of. Oh, man. Uh, yes, in person-ish. Ish. Uh, the FTW for the metal music. And Glenn Urieta, who will at this point will have done 25 individual Godzilla Kaiju Transformers Iron Man uh, yeah. pictures which is I love those. insane. So thank you, Glenn. And for all of the listeners, um, we're, we're well over 5,000 listen, listens at this point. Um, this has been the most consistent output of any sort of content I've ever done. And just thank you for being a part of this podcast. Please subscribe, rate, review if you haven't yet. Uh, it's great to know that you're out there. And uh, until next week, goodbye. The Coach Fury Podcast is created, owned, and produced by yours truly, Steve, Coach Fury Holliner for Fury Industries, LLC. Music provided by the FTW. Visit the ftw.nyc.com for band, album, tour, and merchandise information. And the artwork is created by Glenn Urieta. Visit glennurieta.com. That's G-L-E-N-N-U-R-I-E-T-A. Or on Instagram, at Glenn Urieta. Thanks, everyone.